Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. KFI AM640, you're listening to the John Cobell Podcast on the iHeartRadio app. That is way too loud, my headphones. Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app, and we're on the radio from 1 until 4. Gary Hoffman must be deaf, because every day I plug in my headphones into the same jack. It blows my brain out. Uh, anyway, on the, high art, on the iHeart app, after 4 o'clock, you could also hear the show in podcast form. And I, I could uh, I say this a lot, but uh, we have so much stuff today, I could probably spend the first half hour just promoting the rest of the show. But I'm not going to do that. Uh, we'll just take it piece by piece. One thing we do have coming up at 1.30 is going to be, uh, okay, Ike uh, Ajaji. Okay. Uh, Ajaji. <laughs> Ike Ajaji. And he's the ABC News correspondent in Washington, D.C. Because the Boeing CEO is getting a spanking on Capitol Hill. Uh, he was meeting with uh, Congress people over the... Um, Door plug blowing out of that uh, Boeing jet on Alaska Airlines a few weeks ago. And what's amazing is even before, well, there's all these stories out now about Boeing just today. Several stories. And the latest is a Boeing 757 lost its front tire Saturday at Atlanta International Airport. This was a Delta flight. This Boeing plane was headed for Bogota, Colombia. And um, while it was taxiing across the runway, it was getting into takeoff position when another plane alerted the control tower that uh, a tire had uh, gotten loose. Uh, 
<laughs> According to the audio, hey, Tower, the 75 on the runway just lost the nose tire. And the pilot said, Delta 982, this is the aircraft looking at you. One of your nose tires just came off. The Delta pilot responds, thanks for that. Sounds like we got a problem. <laughs> so the, the tire got loose and rolled all the way across the runway and then rolled down an embankment. And so maintenance crews had to run to chase the tire. <laughs> and then the flights lined up behind the Delta jet had to wait in place. What are the requirements to be on a maintenance team for uh, the airlines? You got to run fast in order, <laughs> in order to chase the tire that you didn't bolt on tightly enough. Um, so anyway, it caused all kinds of chaos at the airport. And, and that's just the newest thing. Uh, you got the audio? Oh, play, the, play the audio. Hey, Tower, the 75 on the runway just lost their nose tire. Delta 798, thanks for that. Delta 982, uh, Tower, sounds like we've got a problem. Uh, yeah, it looks like we'll try to taxi clear if we could. Delta 982, Roger, um, if you'd like, start your taxi down the runway and just let me know. Roger that. Delta 982, this is the aircraft looking at you. you one of your nose tires just came off. It just rolled off the runway uh, behind you. All right, tell you what, let me uh, talk to maintenance tower. Uh, let me have a, I'm going to contact our maintenance folks and see if we can get a tow in. Stand by one, please. Roger, Delta 982. Uh, tower, this is Delta 1783. You may want somebody to come out. It looks like the nose tire ran off the runway towards the end down there. Roger, Delta 1783. We'll be getting somebody out there. <laughs> They're so laid back. And May, you may want somebody to come out there. And, uh, and with those southern accents, they're drawing like, yeah, you may want someone out there. You got to go chase that tire. It's going down. Get the somebody out there ASAP. <laughs> now, I guess it's good that pilots are not excitable. Yeah. But it's it's <laughs> just always cracks me up. They no matter what's happening, there'd be flames shooting at the back end. I just want to know what the training. Seriously, I, 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 people that maintain planes i mean i i see a lot of the people wandering around the planes when i'm sitting there right yeah. waiting to take off take and, off <laughs> and, and i i kind of watch some of these people and i hmm yeah if if the others didn't know it because because the pilot himself didn't seem to know it uh and and uh it would take off and then when it's time to land you don't have a nose tire which is going to make a really rough landing that should be inspected before the plane takes off each time. Yeah. And what if it was? Well, that's that's what's scary. Uh, because these were other pilots that was notifying the Delta pilot. Now, there's a story today uh, about the door plug plane. And the headline is, it's in the New York Times, how did a Boeing jet end up with a big hole? You're going to read that story, aren't you? I mean, you... So it, it says, as it lifted off, nobody on the plane knew that there was this hidden door plug. Remember, it's, it's hidden behind the normal inside paneling of the plane. And if you forgot, the door plug is there because on some configurations of the plane, that's an emergency exit. But on other configurations, it depends on the number of seats you have, that you don't need the emergency exit, and so they put in a fake door, a door plug. 
And I was kind of shocked reading this story that it's really just held in with bolts and pins. And what happened, because this is a new plane, it just got certified in November, uh, as the plane was being used and lifting off, flying through the air at 35,000 feet and landing, you know, the plane shakes a lot. There's a lot of rumbling. So every time the jet took a trip, it rumbled a little more and a little more. So slowly the bolts got loose and eventually the bolts popped off, it looks like. And so the door started moving. Now it didn't have the bolts to secure it inside. And then finally, on this particular trip, the, the coming out of Portland, the door flies off. And now you have the big hole. And uh, so the New York Times analyzed how a door plug is supposed to work. It looked at photos and documents and interviewed a lot of people. And um, they, they found, when they found the door in somebody's backyard in Portland, they, the, the plug itself was intact. And the stop pins are in place. But the bolts have not been recovered. And the bolts at the bottom of the plug are supposed to prevent the door from sliding upwards, which could lead the stop pins to slip past their contact point. So now the bolts are gone. The pins have, have slid past the point they're supposed to connect. And uh, there, goes the, uh, there goes the door. Because uh, the bolts at the top work together with the bolts at the bottom. And if there's a misalignment of the pins and the pads and the bolts, then you, the door is going to be up and up, uh, go up and out. When I come back, when we come back, why is this happening? There's, there's a reason this is happening, and this has been long in the works. And I think that's what the uh, CEO of Boeing is going to have to explain to uh, these congressional committees. Because, again, the CEO, Dave Calhoun, was on Capitol Hill to meet with Lawmakers today, and we're going to have Ike Ijachi from ABC News to explain all this. But uh, about uh, oh, a little over 10 years ago, Boeing made a deal with the devil in order to make money. And they got away with it for a short while. And then those two planes fell out of the sky. And now we're running into these. I mean, we had what do we have just in the last month, right? We've got the tire rolling off yet on Saturday. Then remember, uh, there was a cargo plane from Miami where there were flames shooting out, and then we had the door plug. So there's 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 been a a, a serious turn for Boeing. We'll talk about it when we come back. John Cobalt Show, KFI AM six forty. You're listening to John Cobalt on demand from KFI AM six forty. All right, so we're gonna have uh, an ABC News correspondent on it after one thirty to talk about. Uh, the CEO of Boeing having to explain himself. We've got the door plug story. Then on Saturday, uh, a tire uh, disconnected from a Boeing from a Boeing Delta plane in Atlanta. Right before takeoff, the tire went flying off, and um, there is a, a piece in the. And that is the sound it makes. There is a piece in the New York Times that says, "How did how did we get here with Boeing?" And they said that Boeing was uh, part of a group of uh, aircraft makers that were based here in Southern California, most of them. Boeing was in Seattle, but there were all these other companies. And if you've been around long enough, you probably remember the names. There were Hughes Aircraft, Douglas Aircraft, Northrop, North American, Lockheed, right? And 
they created aircraft for the military and during the Cold War and the space program and commercial aviation because in the 1960s, jet travel became popularized. More and more people were traveling not only around the country but around the world. So it was a huge industry. And Boeing was at the forefront here because they had a very solid engineering culture. Uh, they had the 707 in 1958, and that replaced prop planes. They had the 747, which is the first wide-body plane in 1970. But their workhorse plane was the 737. That's the plane. It's, it's a single-aisle plane, you know, three seats on one side, three seats on the other side. It is the most successful short-haul plane in aviation history. And every so often, they would redesign it and upgrade it and all that. But... What happened to the corporate culture? Remember, it was an engineering culture? Well, then it became a profit-oriented culture. They bought out McDonnell Douglas' arrival. They moved its headquarters twice. They shifted some of the assembly to East Coast, and they went through a whole turnover of one executive after the other, chief executives. And what got lost, according to the Times, was a corporate culture that once prized engineering and safety. Now it was one that was focused on delivering profits over perfection. Because Wall Street investors thought that worrying about safety was too costly. I'm not making this up. It's, it was a Wall Street-driven notion that safety equals costs and lower profits. So what happens? Well, they ended up uh, spinning off Spirit Aerosystems, which built the 737 MAX fuselage. Spirit is in Wichita, which is a long way from Seattle. And they started losing oversight over quality control. Uh, Boeing starts to outsource more and more components. And they got a new chief executive in 2011, James McInerney. And he greenlighted the 737 MAX rather than develop a new aircraft. And he was in a race with Airbus. Airbus had a, had a new aircraft, and he wanted to compete. And so they rushed the development of the 737 MAX. And he also manipulated the FAA so that the certification of the redesigned jet, listen to this, Deborah, you were asking, would not require retraining of pilots. What? They never, they decided to present this new variation on the 737. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a brand new design. It was a variation. Remember, they moved the engines right. to, the, to the front of the plane. Um, it would not require the retraining of the pilots, and the FAA went for it. There, there were people from Boeing who ended up working at the FAA, and so you could see what happens here. But this would save customers time and money. Also, Boeing got worse and worse at their engineering process. That led to the big crash in 2018 and 2019. Both planes that crashed were MAX 8 737s. Both of them killed hundreds of people. And even before this door plug blew out, they were having significant problems assembling their 787 Dreamliner in South Carolina. That is a whole nother set of problems they have. Um, and then in late 2022, Boeing engineers started heading for the door to lock in pension payouts that they had accumulated. Something about the rising interest rates meant that they wanted to lock in pension payments and it would save them money. Not to mention when the COVID lockdown happened, a lot of people bought, well, they took their buyouts. They took early retirement. 
So there's been a big brain drain at Boeing. And the corporate culture has been focused on profits over safety and quality. In fact, they have a phrase at Boeing for what happened with the door plug. They call it quality escape. That's their bureaucratic term. Like quality escaped that plane. Which is a ridiculous term, but this is how these guys communicate. And um, what it meant was they did a bad job engineering that door. And now we're going to find out, let's see if uh, what's in the report, if the CEO can explain what's going on. But, it, you know, this it sounds like the, the, the writer here, Bill Saperito, I think he did a lot of interviews. And I've, I've read other stories along these lines as well. And I think that's that's what's happened. They've gotten very sloppy building their planes. Now, there's only two plane makers. It's Boeing and it's Airbus. If you travel, you know, more than once, you're probably flying a Boeing plane at some point. And uh, usually everybody, we all just shrug and say, well, most of the time it's safe. What are you going to do? The world has changed, though. They don't have strict quality controls anymore at Boeing like they used to. And I don't know what, you know, they, they're, I don't know if they have half the planes in the sky. I don't know what the exact percentage is, but none of this looks good. I mean, the these are planes that people fly on. I mean, this is you're up in the you're up in the air thousands of feet. I mean, you, you would think that it would be such a high priority to have quality control. And how long do you think Boeing's uh, CEO is going to keep his job? I don't know. I think he ought to be out of there. He's an accountant by trade, whereas the head of Airbus is an engineer, and the head of Airbus shows up at work every day in the office. This guy, Dave Calhoun. He shows up two days a month. He's one of those. <laughs> he, what, he works remotely too? Yeah he, yeah, he doesn't leave his house. So he's running Boeing, one of the two largest plane manufacturers in America. Actually, the largest in America because Airbus is based in Europe. And the guy doesn't show up for work uh, 18 out of 20 days. That's unbelievable. And he and he's an accountant. So what do you think an accountant is going to focus on? Money. As opposed to the head of Airbus, who is an engineer. What is he going to focus on? That the planes are built properly. All right. Well, we're going to talk with Ike Ajachi from ABC News. Only takes me three times. And he's going to report on the Boeing CEO. David Calhoun is his name. And he had to speak before lawmakers today. See, let's see what came of that. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. 
certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph! Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to John Kobelt on demand from KFI AM 640. We're on the radio from 1 until 4, and then after 4 o'clock, we become a podcast John Cobalt show on demand. And uh, I had said we were going to talk to Ike Ijachi from ABC News about the Boeing uh, CEO talking to lawmakers today in Washington. And we will, but uh, not until 2.30. Uh, so that uh, note that schedule change. So Ike will be on and we'll continue our discussion on what why the uh, Delta planes are having so much trouble just staying together. Door plug blew off a few weeks ago on one. Uh, Saturday, a uh, a uh, a nose tire went flying off a plane in Atlanta right before it was going to take off. Now, this morning, uh, I woke up, and we told you yesterday, we've been telling you for days, the LA Times is in free fall. It is, it is truly imploding, and that's no hype. Uh, 25 years ago or so, around the year 2000, the uh, LA Times had... Um, either the first or second largest circulation in the country, uh, depending on the year. And they had 1,200 journalists in the newsroom. And that would be writers and editors, photographers, 1,200 of them. Now, estimates are maybe less than 300. And, um, you know, we could spend days going through 
how the LA Times destroyed itself. But the, the, what the top reason in recent years is they went into hard, all woke, far leftist progressive coverage. And the paper was just unrecognizable. They have a lot of older readers, a lot of Jewish readers, especially on the West Side. And uh, they became, you know, in the, in the last recent months, like a pro-Hamas rag to the point where the executive editor had to take 36 journalists. And I've never heard of this. He took 36 journalists and told them, You're, none of you are allowed to report on the Israel-Hamas war. None of you. Because they, they had uh, published an open letter siding with Hamas. And they were against Israel. And as left-wing as the executive editor is, it's like, no, 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 you can't do this. And the owner was upset with, with the editor. Patrick Sun-Chiang was upset. And the owner's daughter, who's a far-left progressive, she was upset. And so the, uh, the executive editor, Kevin Maria, he, he, he bolted. Said, I'm out of here. I can't deal with this. Two other editors have left. 115 layoffs out of maybe 400 journalists left. And the ones right before the layoff, all the alleged journalists went on strike, including the ones who wrote their uh, pro-Hamas letter. They went on strike for a day, and soon Chiang said, well, the hell with it. <laughs> no negotiations. Go, out. And what they were screaming about when they went on strike was uh, over diversity because they didn't want seniority, seniority to be used as one of the methods to decide who stays or who goes. And that was in the union agreement. that It would be a seniority system. Whether that's a wise system or not, that's not the point. That's what everybody signed up for. So um, Daniel Gust this morning in the uh, LA Times, and he's been covering this really well, and what he did, let me see if I can find this thing that I want to uh, talk about here. What he did is he, he looked on social media because uh, on social media, you have all these pompoon journalists at the L.A. Times who uh, are, are now are complaining that they got laid off. And what has happened is that a, a lot of people online are creating memes and firing back, I'll give you an example. Uh, Larry Elder, if you remember, when he ran for governor, the LA Times described him as the black face of white supremacy. And Jean, Jean Guerrero also called Elder a white supremacist. So Larry Elder went on Twitter and said, hey, well, actually he said, yo, Jean Guerrero, who called me a white supremacist, you've been canned by your broke LA Times. Bet your equally bigoted but black colleague, Erica D. Smith, who called me the black face of white supremacy, still has a job. She'd pull out the race card in an L.A. minute. And it's true. I mean, they even reprinted the headline here. Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy. You've been warned. Uh, also, people online published a headline. It was a story written by Ma Michael Hiltzig, who's... Uh, it was a piece of work. Uh, the headline, Mocking Anti-Vaxxers COVID Deaths is Ghoulish, but Maybe Necessary. That's what Hildzeg was saying. Mocking Anti-Vaxxers COVID Deaths is Ghoulish, 
but may be necessary. That's when people were going online and celebrating somebody who didn't want to take the vaccine but died of COVID. Remember that uh, charming episode? So somebody uh, did a, a satirical uh, a satirical meme on that and wrote, mocking LA Times reporters being fired is ghoulish, but maybe necessary. Mark Barabak, who's this pomphoon political writer for the Times, he wrote, for those inclined to respond to folks who've just been laid off from newspaper jobs, telling them to learn to code is not only mean and heartless, but unoriginal, not at all clever. Rather, look inside and ask how you grew that black hole in your heart how you grew that black hole where your heart is supposed to be. And the phrase learn to code was, um, was an insult that was hurled at blue-collar workers, coal miners, uh, who were losing their blue-collar jobs. And all these, uh, all these progressives with their Ivy League degrees were looking at people like coal miners who were complaining about being put out of business saying, well, why don't you learn to code? That, you know, that's the new century. That's the future. Knowing full well that coal miners and factory workers can't learn to code. So people have been firing back now at these uh, LA Times writers saying, hey, learn to code. Of course, coding jobs are going away because of AI. Mark Barabek had written some time back about cops and firefighters. Because if you remember, cops and firefighters forced to get a vaccine or they would lose their jobs. And he wrote, if I were in charge, it would be simple. Get a shot or you're fired. So he wanted, he wanted LAPD cops and LA Fire Department employees to be fired if they didn't get the blessed vaccine. That was Mark Barabek. And then he went online Angry that people were taunting the journalists who got fired. Kevin Dalton online wrote, how have Los Angeles Times endorsements improved your life? And he printed four of them. Here are the headlines. Endorsement, Karen Bass for Los Angeles mayor. Endorsement, Governor Newsom has earned another term leading California. Endorsement, reelect George Gascon as Los Angeles County District Attorney. Endorsement, Joe Biden isn't just anybody but Trump. He's the right fit for our polarized time. And uh, then there's an article by uh, Matt Funicello. Headlined, Oh, How the Mighty Have Fallen. The LA Times appears to be in a state of imminent collapse. And he goes through, uh, you know, the whole story of the LA Times. And I just saw that headline. It's like, wow, when I got to Los Angeles... And the Sunday LA Times weighs, I don't know, probably about eight pounds. It was, it was tough to pick up at the newsstand and haul back home. What he noticed was their digital traffic has collapsed. Year-over-year year, digital traffic was down 38% in November of 2023. I mean, that's astounding. Um, And they are now way behind most other big city newspapers. Online. It, it's not that they didn't transition to online. They have a product online. And simply nobody's reading it anymore. Because they narrowed their focus only to pre please progressives. And um, they have 
they have lost a huge chunk of their audience. And that's never going to come back. I mean, I'm looking at uh, their their total digital audience. It's uh, 21 million. Washington Post is 55 million. New York Times is 76 million. Um, year to year change, they're down 30 percent. Month to month change, they're down 38 percent. I mean, it is it is in complete freefall. And believe me. Endorsing George Gascon to be district attorney, not going to help. That's not what any normal person wants to hear. More coming up. You're listening to John Cobalt on demand from KFI AM 640. Have you heard about this mystery in Kansas City over the uh, five guys who were having a watch party for the Chiefs game a couple of weeks ago? Yes. Uh, now, a lot of guys have had their friends come over to watch football games over the years. And what happened here, um, the host, Jordan Willis, they watched the Chiefs on January 7th. And then, according to his story, all the guys left. Four other guys, three of the four are named David Harrington, Ricky Johnson, Clayton McGreeny. So David, Ricky, and Clayton left, according to... Jordan's original story. And then Jordan claimed he was sleeping for the next two days. Never went outside and didn't know that his three friends had all died in the backyard. All three of them froze to death. Now, they're relatively young. They're all in their 30s. Um, and, and, and finally, one of the guys had a fiancé who called the police Requesting a welfare check. This is two days later. So the police show up at Jordan Willis's house and they, fry, they find three dead frozen bodies in the backyard. Now, did no one try like banging on a window or knocking on a door or breaking <laughs> yeah. some glass to get in? I, like two, two days and no family members and no other friends showed up. This makes no sense. None of this makes sense. Well, it turns out there was a fifth friend who claims he was at the party. Uh, that he came about 7 o'clock and left at midnight. He is not named, but he has an attorney named Andrew Talgi. And Talgi's client said the other four guys were up watching Jeopardy at midnight, that they were still alive in the early hours of Monday morning. Now, Jordan Willis told police that he saw all four of his friends out the door. But uh, Talgi's client said, no, no, I left by myself, and I left the other three behind, and they were all watching Jeopardy. Um, Willis, uh, the host, said, uh, I went to sleep on the couch and claimed that he was sleeping for the next two days. Then he somewhat changed his story and claimed that he was in and out of his bedroom over the next two days. Because I don't know how you could sleep for two days unless... Could all all these guys have gotten drugged somehow? Yes. Because if one guy claimed he was mostly asleep for two days and the other three froze to death in the backyard and nobody seems to know what went on, they're waiting for autopsy reports. They're waiting for toxicology. Um, the uh, police captain said the incident is 100% not being investigated as a homicide. A lot of drugs and alcohol. I mean, you know how those things go, John. You get together with your buddies. I 
He I doesn't def- get loaded and fall asleep <laughs> no, for two days. I, I, I don't know what he does when he goes. He 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 has a group of friends that he hangs out with. This doesn't even happen at my football watch parties. <laughs> Yes, baseball friend parties. I I don't know how much you have to drink to fall asleep for two days. <laughs> I I think I would. I think you I, would hope. I, yeah. Well, apparently they were texting the guy, but and they never got responses. Well, they were texting. They were texting the fifth guy. Uh, the unnamed guy. That, the unnamed that, guy. That gives yeah. me some suspicion that this guy's still unnamed. Yeah, and he has an attorney too. Yeah, why is he why is he lawyering up already? Uh, I don't know if he supplied the uh, the drugs that knocked out all his buddies, but there there's there's something wrong with that. Because you know, if you're feeling really cold, you don't die right away, freeze to death, unless they all passed out from the drugs and the booze, then you freeze to death, right? Because you passed out. But if you're feeling cold, and they're all in the backyard, all of them only made it a few steps. Yeah, wait, he walked them all out, but how could they just immediately pass out from the drugs if he walked them all out? They were obviously capable enough to walk out of the door. Right, so why didn't they walk down the block to their car? Uh, why didn't they call call somebody? I mean, if you feel yourself shivering, it takes a while to freeze to death. So you just take action so you don't freeze to death. Any one of a hundred things you do. I don't know, the story's been going on several days, and every day it gets weirder. There's no explanation. All right, uh, coming up after 2 o'clock, we had Todd, ben, Todd Benzman on just a few days ago. He works, uh, he's a, a fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies, and he's a, a journalist at the border frequently. And he says that uh, the U.N. is paying illegal aliens using U.S. taxpayer cash because uh, people are wondering how... Uh, how these illegal aliens are surviving in the world. Well, it looks like there's a little underground cash machine. And the United Nations is involved. Uh, just another organization undermining our borders. We'll talk uh, to uh, Todd Benzman coming up next. John Cobelt Show, Deborah Mark Live in the KFI 24-Hour Newsroom. Hey, you've been listening to the John Cobelt Show podcast. You can always hear the show live on KFI AM 640 from 1 to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday. And, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. 
And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.